There's a reason they call music the universal language. Songs have a way of expressing our hearts. We all experience life differently and the lyrics have unique meanings to each of us. I'm just a girl who loves music and storytelling. So through the good, bad, and ugly, I'm sharing artist journeys and my own stories in hopes that you can relate. Cheers to being hashtag relatable. Welcome back to Hashtag Relatable. I am Abby Shaw, and today we're talking about the quintessential Southern rock band. In my eyes, they're basically the only Southern rock band. And we're talking about Leonard Skinner. And by we, my brother Seth is here again. Hello, how are you guys? He was on the Alan Jackson episode with me, so if you haven't listened to that one, go check that one out. I talked about them bringing him home from the hospital and me being like, what the flip is this? This is the best one yet, that's all I'm saying. (laughs) Whatever. Anyways, so Leonard Skinner, I know that their vibe isn't necessarily for everybody but they didn't really want to be for everybody and I think that there's beauty in being unique and recognizing that your personality your traits everything that you have to offer to the world is not necessarily for everyone and that's okay so we're gonna jump right into their story they all grew up in Jacksonville Florida and they decided to play some music together after the summer of 1964 when they were all playing baseball together and they were on rivaling teams and Ronnie Van Zant actually ended up hitting somebody <laughs> and then they were like, oh, you play music? I also play music. You want to come over to my house and we'll play? So they played in Bob's garage and then they were like, hey, let's form a band. Like, this is kind of cool. They're in high school at this point also. So Ronnie Van Zant, Bob Burns, Gary Rosington decided they were going to form this band and then they asked Alan Collins and Larry Junstrom to also join. And when <laughs> they showed up at Alan's house to ask him if he wanted to join, he was like scared and started running away because Ronnie Van Zant had a reputation for being pretty angry guy. <laughs> he was a little violent on occasion and that kind of progressed throughout the rest of their story so you saw him coming he was just like hey i'm i'm out i I don't know what this is about but it's probably not going to be good and then they're like oh you want to play and he's like sure (laughs) they called themselves my backyard and can you imagine if they would have actually been called that that's a terrible name like that's just terrible it's definitely like a high school garage band top name yeah like that name took about five minutes (laughs) what should we call ourselves Mm, we just played in my backyard so maybe that. So anyways, they later changed their name to The 1%, but they ended up changing it again because when they would play shows, people would be like, 1% talent. <laughs> That's <laughs> and, stuff. And he was like, not about that. He was very <laughs> serious. Ronnie Van Zant was the leader throughout the entire band career. He was dead serious about this. He wanted to make music. He knew it was a business and he made sure everybody was on track. So they ended up changing it to Leonard Skinner around 1970. They actually named themselves after a high school teacher that they had. His name was Leonard Skinner and they hated his guts because he was their gym teacher and he did not like that these boys had long hair. He wanted them to cut it and he would like yell at them and like kick them out all the time and they were like fine we'll make fun of him and call ourselves Leonard Skinner. So, by 1970, they were becoming pretty popular around Jacksonville. They would, like, headline some headline, some minor shows around town. And Ronnie was starting to become very serious about the songwriting process, and he would make them go to this place called the Hell House. And it was basically in this swamp, and there was, like, nothing there. There were, like, alligators everywhere. And they would just be in this house, and they would wake up at 8 a.m. to start writing songs. And it was like a, okay, we're just going to play around and see what happens. But, like, we're being serious. 
and they got some of their best stuff from this place. In 1972, they were discovered by Al Cooper, who was a producer and fellow musician, and he ended up signing them to his label, Sounds of the South, which was distributed by MCA Records. They ended up recording in Muscle Shoals, Alabama, and this was a big hub for music at this time. Like, some pretty incredible sounds came out of this place. Aretha Franklin recorded there. The Rolling Stones also recorded there. So there was a very eclectic sound that came out of this particular spot in the South. At this point, they'd had some changes within the band. People would come and go. But Leon Wilkinson and Ed King ended up joining the group around this time. They had this guy who was a roadie for them, which is like their crew and whatnot. His name was Billy Powell. And one day, he was sitting there and he's like, hey, they were talking about Freebird. And he was like, I would play this kind of different. You want to hear how I would play it? And he sat down at the piano and he did that intro that they have where it's very specific. And they were like, what the heck, Billy? I did not (laughs) know that you could play like that. Like you said you could play, but I didn't know you could like play, play. And he's like, yeah, I'm classically trained. (laughs) And they were like, you didn't think to mention this before? And he was like, no, I didn't really think it was that important. So they were like, okay, you're our new keyboardist. You're going to be on all of our stuff with us. And I think that kind of added another dynamic to their sound because they had a very, like, grungy, definitely southern rock sound. But the piano added, like... That nice, like, musical... Yeah, like, like it's definitely got a classic turn on it. Like, I'm a music business minor, and I had to take a lot of classical music classes. And it just has that, like, spin on it, which is kind of very different from their actual sound can we get a rip for that the guy that was playing the (laughs) keyboard though because they just booted him (laughs) they said gots to go so their debut album came out august 13th 1973 and it sold over a million copies which is pretty incredible obviously freebird was on this album and freebird only made it to number 19 that's mm. i know like that's one of their most popular songs it's still to this day is such a popular song yeah 19 like, yeah i know this album was called pronounced leonard skinnard and it had the like <laughs> you know the little like coffins and yeah. i can't remember exactly what that's called but you know what i'm talking about where yeah. it's like the enunciation of it later in 1973 they ended up opening for the who which is a popular band at the time and they were just gaining more popular as they went along throughout America. They followed up that album very quickly. The next year, they had another album out, and it was called Second Helping, which, again, is another, like, play on words there because it's literally the second album. And this had Sweet Home Alabama on it, which is, again, probably their most popular song. I think that's their most popular Mm -hmm. one. Everyone knows Sweet Home Alabama. Literally everyone. And this was a dig at Neil Young's Southern Man because they didn't like that he was kind of bashing Southern people and they were like, hey, we're not all bad. Like, give us a chance. And a lot of people thought that they kind of hated each other, but they were actually big fans of each other and they became friends. And like, he would wear a Neil Young shirt. He would wear (laughs) Leonard Skinner stuff. Yeah. This song peaked at number eight. Really? Which is their only top ten that they ever had. Really? Really. I'm just like, what? Hmm. This song actually almost did not make the album. They had written it very close to when the album was like close to being done. So they did not envision this song making the record, but they loved it so much they thought this has to be on there. Ronnie never wrote lyrics down, which I think is absolutely incredible because to remember all the stuff that you were originally going to say as you keep going is just incredible to me. You walk in a room and you forget what you're getting, like, and yeah. then he remembers every word. Like, you know when you're at a restaurant and the waitress or the waiter does not write the order down? <laughs> and I'm like, 
I couldn't do that because I would be like, ooh, I will remember this. And then, like, I'd be thinking about something else and I'd be like, shoot, I was supposed to remember (laughs) that. He said that if he did not remember the lyrics to a song when he was done, it wasn't good enough in the first place. That's how hardcore he was about this. One day they were at the Hell House and they were just messing around playing guitar. Ronnie actually did not play an instrument in this group. He was strictly the band leader and the lead vocalist. But Gary Rosington was like sitting there and he was just playing some chords on his guitar. And Ed King was like, ooh, I like what he's doing there. I'm going to add some stuff that'll go on top of it. And yeah. he started playing the like... You know what I'm talking about, like the classic intro. And Ronnie was like, I really like that. Keep working on that. I'm going to go think about lyrics. And he came back and he had the entire Sweet Home Alabama written in his head. That's insane. So by 1975, a lot of internal issues were starting to rise in the band. For starters, they'd recorded basically back-to-back and toured for the last three to four years. Stressful, probably. Mm -hmm. And Ronnie was very intense. He drank a lot. They all drank a lot. They were doing drugs, all sorts of things. That was also the time period. Yeah, but Ronnie was very aggressive when he drank, (laughs) more so than he was when he was sober. And they all fought very often because they're together literally 24-7. Their drummer, Bob, ended up leaving after he had a mental breakdown while they were on the European tour. Like, he literally... had such mental health issues, he had to step away. They replaced him very quickly with this man named Artemis Pyle, which is a cool name within itself. Like, you've got to be a cool person to carry that name. And he had some great hair. Just going to say, if you've never seen this guy, look him up. Good hair. So, <laughs> they recorded their third album called Nothing Fancy in 17 days. Yeah, that's insane. It's crazy. And their producer, Al Cooper, decided that they were going to part ways after this because he was like, I don't really think y'all took that very seriously. Yeah. You rushed that. Like, that was not your best work. You could have done better. And, like, we're going to mutually separate. And this album didn't do super great because you could tell that it was a little rushed. And while they were on tour for this album, Ed King, which is the guy who did the intro to Sweet Home Alabama... They were at this show, and Ronnie and Ed's guitar roadie, the dude who would, like, fix his guitars and whatnot, got arrested the night before. That's always good. So they showed up, very little time to spare, before they were about to go on stage. And since the guitar roadie was not there, Ed's guitar needed work, but he had to just go out there anyways. And they were known for, like, crazy guitar solos and, like... Their version of Freebird at a live show would be about 14 to 20 minutes. Which is insane. That's so long. Ronnie was very dead set on we play it exactly how it is. Yeah. We're not doing anything outside the box. We're going exactly how it was written. And while they were playing it, Ed's guitar strings broke because he was playing it so hard. And he was pissed because he was like, this would not have happened if you would not have gotten arrested. Like, this is your fault. And Ronnie grabbed him up. by the shirt in his face screaming at him in front of everybody and ed said you know what i don't need this in my life i'm done yeah so he said peace out and he moved back to california which is where he was from this kind of messed up their dynamic within the band because they were known for three guitarists with ed gone it just kind of put them in like a weird it just didn't click in january of 1976 they were kind of thinking that they needed to find another person to fill the third guitarist lead and around this time they added three female backup singers, Leslie Hawkins, Cassie Gaines, and Jojo Billingsley, and they called themselves the Honkettes, but Ronnie did not recognize them as part of the band. They were just the backup singers. Gotcha. They started talking
talking about adding this third member and Cassie was like, hey, my brother plays the guitar and he's in a band right now. Like, you should look at him. So, they ended up releasing their fourth album, Give Me Back My Bullets, in 1976. So, again, back-to-back-to-back albums. And it didn't do as well either because you know, they'd parted ways with their management and all that. They ended up asking Steve Gaines, which was Cassie's brother, to come audition at this show that they were at, and they literally put him on stage at a concert, and that was his audition to the show. To see how he would, like, react to it. How he would do. And I'm like, that's very intense. You're just gonna throw somebody out there live on stage, like, this is your time. Show us what you got, boy. I hope you do good. (laughs) Make or break. They liked what he did, and he joined Leonard Skinner. So, they ended up recording a double live album called One More for the Road, and it was recorded at the famous Fox Theater in Atlanta. That same year, they also played the, I don't know how to say this word, but it's K-U-E-B Worth, so I'm going to say Cube Worth, something like that, festival. It was a British (laughs) festival, and the Rolling Stones were headlining, and they got there. It had the Rolling Stones tongue stage. It was very their show and they were told okay there's only one rule here you don't walk out on the tongue okay like one rule and ronnie said okay one rule i was fine with it until you told me that i couldn't so what did he do walk out on the tongue (laughs) that was just like their vibe like if you told me i'm not going to do something you better bet i'm going to do it so in may of 1976 two of their guitar players alan and gary were in some pretty serious car accidents and this caused them to delay recording their next album and they also had to cancel some concert dates because of this it was around this time that ronnie started to realize that their lifestyles were really kind of catching up with them they were all drinking an absurd amount they were fighting all the time they were doing drugs and they really didn't remember any of this stuff and ronnie's wife had just had a baby and he was kind of like thinking about his life and he was like we need to kind of like pull this back in and they wrote a song called that smell which is about like their drug addictions and all that stuff and about how if they don't pull it in they're gonna die like their lifestyle will kill them so when they started working on this album steve Gaines, which is the guitar player that they had just brought in he had a very big role in making this album which is very rare for ronnie because he was definitely the lead like if he didn't like it no go Mm-hmm. And he kind of let him play a big role in the songwriting process as well as he let him sing with him, which is something he'd never done before. And they had a duet called You Got That Right, and then he let him have the complete lead on another song called Ain't No Good Life. And that had never happened ever before. He was a control freak 100%. The album Street Survivors came out on October 17th, 1977, and the tour was supposed to be their biggest one yet. They were supposed to have line Madison Square Garden the next month in November which was Ronnie Van Zant's lifelong dream and as you can tell I said supposed to because they never got to tour this album because three days later on October 20th they had just played a show in Greenville South Carolina and they were supposed to play the next day at LSU in Baton Rouge. They boarded this commercial airplane it was a Convair CV 240 airplane. I don't exactly know what that is, but that's what it was. And this was a 30-year-old airplane. So just think in the 70s, this plane was built in the 1940s. So already a little sketch. (laughs) Not a good... You know, the technology in the 40s compared to the 70s was probably very different. 
so already you should be a little concerned. (laughs) I'm pretty positive that the engine had caught on fire like the day before, so another red flag. And then Aerosmith had also looked at chartering this plane for their next tour, and they passed on it because of the condition that the plane was in. And Leonard Skinner was like, I don't see any problems. (laughs) (laughs) This fine. Let's load up. So they all showed up to board the plane, and a couple of them were like, hey, this seems a little little sketch. I don't really know if I want to. And Ronnie was like, if we're going to die, we're going to die. Should not have said that. (laughs) (laughs) And he literally said, when it's our time to go, you can kiss my ass goodbye. They were already kind of like, whatever. Whatever happens, it happens. So, flash forward, they're on this flight. The plane runs out of fuel and they need to do an emergency landing. And they're near Gillsburg, Mississippi. And they ended up crashing. Six people died. Ronnie Van Zant was one of them, the lead singer. Steve Gaines also died, the newest guitar member. His sister also died. Their assistant road manager, Dean Kilpatrick, also died. And then the two pilots died. The pilots were also seen drinking and smoking before this incident. So, like, already not so great. <laughs> Plane's not good. Pilots are drunk and whatever. (laughs) Didn't fuel up. That's always a good... That's what you want. That's like the, you had one job. (laughs) It didn't work out. So, they crashed and Artemis Pyle... I don't know if he was ejected from the plane or what, but he was able to like exit and he like ran and got help because they crashed in like this really wooded area in the middle of nowhere. And he said that before they hit the ground, like everybody knew that they were about to crash. And he said that Ronnie looked at him and he walked to the back of the plane and he sat down and he he said that he just had this look in his eyes of like, this is it. Like I know that I'm done. And what's really ironic about the whole situation is Gary Rosington says that Ronnie frequently talked about how he never thought that he would live to be 30 years old like he thought that he would die young and he was three months shy of being 30 see that's why he never said like it's just <laughs> yeah. not something to say yeah don't mess around with that so it's just like the whole thing is ironic like the album was called street survivors comes out three days before they die also the album cover featured flames behind the whole band it's a bit ironic like, it was so bad that the label was like, mm-hmm. reissued it with a plain black background because they were like, ooh, that's a little scary. Yeah. We don't want to do that. And can you imagine if you were supposed to see them the next night, like, in Louisiana yeah. and they just died? because like, yeah, news wasn't, like, as fastly spread, so, like... Mm-hmm. They would probably, like, told, like, at the concert, like, they were going and they're like, hey, um, they ain't making it. Plus, it's like they probably didn't know, like what the situation was on all of them because there were like 20 people on this flight and you know they were all pretty badly injured like Gary Rosington his arms were like crushed when they landed Billy Powell the keyboardist his nose got cut off completely off they were able to like fix it but it like sliced his nose off Mm, just holding and just the emotional trauma from a plane crashing and like your friends dying and like not knowing what's going to happen to you that would be pretty traumatic However, this album was their most successful album that they'd ever had. Probably because of them dying, people were like, ooh, I would like to listen to this. The album peaked at number five on the charts. And after this, they took a 10-year hiatus from the band. And during this, they all had individual bands. They, like, paired up with each other. They did different things. But 
they could never like come back to Leonard Skinner because to them Ronnie was Leonard Skinner and he was dead so what were they supposed to do and in 1987 the original members reunited to do a six-week tribute tour in honor of the 10-year anniversary of the plane crash and Ronnie's brother, Johnny Van Zant took over as the lead singer for this tour. And he was quite a bit younger than Ronnie, so, like, he was, probably didn't even really know him that well because he was touring the majority of his life. And he was gone. People, like, asked him, like, how do you feel about, like, stepping into this lead? Like, do you feel the pressure of having to fill his shoes? And Gary Rosington had this quote. There's this documentary about them. It's called If I Leave Here Tomorrow. It's on Showtime. It's really good. But in this documentary, he said something like, well, Ronnie never wore shoes, so you don't have shoes to feel like, just be you. And he said that he never felt the pressure to like live up to Ronnie because he was like, I'm not Ronnie. I'm never going to be him. I don't sound the same as him. But he was like, I'm singing to like honor his memory. Yeah. And he was like, that was what he would want me to do. So they did not intend for this to turn into anything longer than this tribute tour, but fans were like, hey, I would love to come, like, keep doing it. And they're still touring to this day. Johnny's still the lead singer, but every member that was originally in the group has now died except for Gary Rosington, and he's got to be pretty old at this point. Since 1987, they've released 12 albums with new material. They've done several albums that were live recordings featuring the old songs. They had a Christmas album. Personally, I don't find any appeal in the new Leonard Skinner because like that's not Leonard Skinner. You know, like I, I get what you're trying to do, but it's not the same. Yeah, it's not the same. I saw the new Skinner a couple years ago and it was good, but it wasn't like Leonard Skinner, you know. It's like a remake of movies. Like they're good, but it's like eh, eh, eh. Never the original. Nah. Overall, I think that their story just shows that, like, this show must go on. <laughs> and that's just a theme for life in general. Like, things come and go, but, like, we've got to keep going. Okay. So, now we're going to get into our songs that we either relate to, have stories about, or we just love. And Seth is going to go first. So, my first one's Sweet Home Alabama. Classic. Yeah, because personally, you think of Leonard Skinner, and, like, the first song that, like, really, like, comes to mind is, like, Sweet Home Alabama. Mm-hmm. Just like that, it's just a good song to like drive to, you know, just listen. Like, if you don't get pumped in the intro, I probably can't be friends with you. Yeah. Sorry. So, I have a few lines here, and it says, In Birmingham, they love the governor. And it says, Boo, boo, boo. Which I think that that line is very commonly misunderstood about what they were like trying to say. Mm-hmm. It's like in, in that time, like, segregation was like a big thing. And, like, it was, like, the governor in Alabama was very, like, he wanted segregation. And they were, like, that governor, like, no, absolutely not. Yeah, like, like, we don't agree with you. Like, we're singing a song about Alabama, but don't put us yeah. with that. Cause like, don't categorize the entire South yeah. as racist. Because we're singing a song, but don't compare us to him, because that's mm-hmm. not what we want. Also, this song's in Forrest Gump. <laughs> I, I'm a very big fan of Forrest Gump. One of my top movies. Personally, don't think it's that great. No one else in my family likes it <laughs> very well. It's one of my favorites. Don't know how that happened. Watched it 10, 15 times probably. He can like quote the whole thing. Yeah. It's a fun party trick. <laughs> <laughs> You've got two hours and 42 <laughs> minutes. And my other one about this is, Now Watergate does not bother me. Does your conscience bother you? Plays in Forrest Gump. The song plays during that scene. And it's just like, we know what you're doing. Like, you got exposed. <laughs> you're like, not getting away <laughs> with it. We know exactly what happened. Yeah, like, not only are we not going to let you forget about it, putting it in a song. I also think it's like a play on you've done wrong, but, like, everybody does wrong. 
I agree with that. Top situation with the spin on words there. Yeah. Does your conscience bother you? Tell the truth. Yes, yeah, like, hey, everybody does stuff. Yeah. And it's like, they got exposed, but <laughs> you're next kind of yeah. thing, you know? So my second song is Give Me Three Steps, because it's like upbeat song, like mm-hmm. roll the window. Like, you just, it's it's a song you kind of like get into, you know? I have the greatest hits album, one of the greatest hits albums, and on this album, Sweet Home Alabama is first, and then Give Me Three Steps is number two. Yep. So. You got me this. Yeah. I have the same one. And it's like, oh, wait a minute, mister. I didn't even kiss her. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want no trouble with you. It's like, I didn't even kiss her, like. That's like, <laughs> he was like planning on doing stuff. And it's like, that doesn't make it any better. Like, it's like one of those stop talking before you yeah, drag like, yourself. He's like, I didn't kiss her. Like, I've been doing this, <laughs> but I didn't kiss her. So, like, what's like, the issue? Like, no, that's not okay. Like, yeah. I, like, I don't know why he <laughs> thought, like, oh, that's going to make this dude not upset like i didn't <laughs> kiss her bro it's like no that's not okay like whatsoever like, <laughs> like stop back up homie. yeah then the dude like pulls a gun on him later in the song and it's like that's what you get <laughs> like that's what you get that's on you and he's like why are you so mad <laughs> yeah it's like um excuse me <laughs> that's not how you do it and then it's like well he turned around and screamed at linda lou well like what <laughs> obviously and that's the break i was looking for and it's like he started yelling at her so i'm leaving her she's gone like she's <laughs> like on that's her, her own. problem now yeah like hey guys we gotta go that's another thing is his wife said that he wrote like all the songs that they wrote most of it was true really they might have used like different situations and like played it up a little bit but everything that they wrote about was a true story so like so he's over here like you know whose girl you be messing with he's got a wife at home he's over here not only is he cheating on his wife <laughs> like that the person he's cheating with is also cheating mm-hmm. good times yeah it's never good you know didn't know that <laughs> fun fact so my third song is what's your name and it's just like you know that's just like a this is another like their their songs are very like just like you distinct. just get, yeah you get to like move into it a little bit mm-hmm. even the slow ones are kind of yeah. like a little jammy you know I agree like they all like they're like we're doing big things with our eyebrows right now yeah. both of us are like you know but like that just really captures the feeling like yeah, when you they're like, your eyebrows they're like a soft like guitar and the next thing you know they're like doom you know it's <laughs> yeah. just like a ooh so what's your name and it's like, it seems that one of the crew had to go with one of the guests. Well, the police said we can't drink in the bar. So it's like, what happened? Like, I He wanna... also says, what a shame after that. So he's like, why not? Yeah. So it's like, I want to know like the backstory on this, especially since you just told me all, it's of, true. all of it's true. So it's like, what were they doing to get kicked out? Cause, I, mean, I mean, like he was known for like being arrested and like yeah. physical. So I don't know if like they did something violent and they got kicked out or they just like knew that maybe there was going to be some trouble and they didn't want to deal with that yeah because i mean they were pretty big especially like around the places they were playing at mm-hmm. and it's like you know the police are probably gonna let them get a re- away with some stuff and it's like no nah, like they kicked us out <laughs> like yeah and then it says when i come back here next year i want to see you again and i picked that because they sang that and then mm-hmm. this was on their last album yeah so literally like three days later, three days he, later died. he died so it's like obviously like he, he never can't, came back yeah he never came back to see anybody mm-hmm. because i think about that every single time that i hear this song because it's like whoever he wrote the song about she never got to see him again like they probably weren't gonna see each other again but But it's also like the opportunity never arose yeah like they couldn't 
Like, yeah, like, <laughs> no he's dead. So my next song is Call Me The Breeze. And I picked this song because I think this song, like, really, like, sums up Leonard Skinner. Like, my perspective on them is, like, they just do what they want, when they want, how they want. And whatever happens, it happens, oh well. He was a very do-not-tell-me-what-to-do type yeah. person. It's like, you tell me what to do, I'm gonna do the opposite of what you don't want me to mm-hmm. do. And then... When quarantine and all that jazz was happening earlier this year, I bought Disney+, Plus, obviously, and <laughs> I was watching watching one of my favorite movies as a child, which was The Country Bears. Very underrated movie, personally. (laughs) Like, if you went and watch it now and you've never seen it, you'd probably think it was very strange. It's, like, about bears that are, like, real-life people. They, like, talk (laughs) and walk. And there's, like, also, like, people in the movies. So it's, like, weird. But there's this one part where the police are chasing this bus because they think that they've kidnapped this kid when they really didn't. Anyways, but (laughs) they're in this car wash and this song is playing while they're chasing them and I didn't realize that until I watched it last time (laughs) but and then the car washing you know where the dude's mustache comes off it's (laughs) a fake mustache if you've not seen it you won't get this but also not a movie (laughs) I would recommend going back and seeing it's got to be one of those childhood things and like you go back and watch it and you're like oh this will be fun (laughs) then you're like kind of weird it's not really that like oh this is good it's more like I should have not watched that and left it for my memories kind of thing yeah I still liked it, but I would not recommend it to a new viewer. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, this song is like, well, I might go out to California. Might go down to Georgia. I don't know. He's like, hey, might do this, might do that. I don't know. I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to do what I want. Wherever you, the breeze takes me. Yeah, whenever you find out, when I find out, I'm doing it. He's a very spontaneous person. Yeah. To be like so like strict on stuff, though. It's, like, a weird, like... Yeah, he had a very contradicting personality. Like, he was very, like, don't tell me what to do. I'm going to tell you what to do. Yeah. Like, I don't know what we're doing. Here's what we're doing. Which is, like, very, like, confusing and... Yeah. Not a fan. He was kind of moody. Yeah, not a fan of that. And it's, like, I ain't got nobody. I don't carry me no load. Ooh, Mr. Breeze. Which is a lie. He had a wife. And I'm pretty sure he had a kid coming. He did. So, and yeah, like not only he's like out here singing, like away from his family, away from his wife, away from his kid that was on the way. He's like, I ain't got nobody. And it's like, um, you do, you do like (laughs) why, especially if like true. I didn't know that when I wrote all this stuff down, I didn't know that about them. He was definitely a player. Yeah. Just like, and they were gone literally for probably about five straight years. Like yeah. they would go home every once in a while. So like he never saw his family. Yeah. So he went home, got his wife pregnant, and then And then said, Bye. I'ma go back to what I was doing before. Yeah, I'm probably gonna have some kid with another person. Oops. Kind of thing like what? Yeah. So my last song is Simple Man. I honestly think this is probably one of like my personal favorites. From them, mm-hmm. and this is why I like did it last. I have a lot to say about this because it's like he's basically gonna quote the entire song. <laughs> I'm not gonna quote the entire song. There is okay, so like you know, the songs they sing them in like blocks. Mm-hmm. So the I picked, verses, yeah, verses. Sorry, <laughs> so they sing them in verses. And if you picked like half of it, it wouldn't get like the full effect, effect on it. So it's like I wanted all of it, you know, you want to conclude the whole perspective, here. yeah, I'm trying to get it all for you guys. <laughs> So, it says, oh, take your time, don't live too fast, troubles will come and they will pass, you'll find a woman and you'll find love, and don't forget, son, there is someone up above. I think this one's just like a very, it's a very different perspective on any other song that they have, and it's just like, whatever you do, like, yes, some days you're like, ah, I wish it was the next day, 
Or it's just like, you wish it was the next day, but then you never know when your last day is. So it's like, and everybody says don't wish your life away. And it's like, it's a lot easier said than done. Because some days you just, Mm -hmm. you're not feeling it. Like you don't, you want the day to be over. But then it's like, if you really think about it, you don't want the day to be over. Yeah. You know how some weeks it's just like, if I can just make it to next week. And like sometimes you get in like a pattern of like, next week. that's what you're saying every week. It's like, you know, we all kind of get in ruts like that. But like, remember that life is fragile. I agree. And then it's like, troubles will come and they will pass. And it's like, this is like the biggest trouble we've ever had, like in our lives. It's like, and the entire world has changed. It's like, Mm -hmm. but it's like, hey, it came, but it's going to leave. We don't know when, but it will leave. That's like also an interesting thing because since this has happened, like eventually we will go back to a version of normal, but it will never be the the normal that we've known our whole lives, which is like a weird thing to think about. Especially, like, in the South, like, we're, like, very just, we're more of a tighter community, and it's, Mm -hmm. like, you know, you see somebody, you help them, like. Yeah, and you can't just, like, you feel weird about going up to people you don't know. Yeah, especially in this time, like, you don't want to harm yourself, and you don't want to harm them either, so then it's just, like, a, well, six, seven months ago, I would have helped you, but it's, like. Yeah, you wouldn't have thought twice about it. Yeah, but now it's, like, I don't know about it, like. (laughs) A, I'm, I don't know if you're comfortable with it. And it's like, I don't really know if I am. <laughs> so it's like, hope you're the best. Best of luck, my yeah. man. Yeah. And then the next one is, you'll find a woman, yeah, and you'll find love. And it's like, I just think that's a cool thing, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm dating someone. We've been dating for quite a while now. <laughs> a couple years. A couple years. It's like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> my perspective on that. He gave a little, like, you well, know. You know. Name's Emily. Shout out to Emily. Hope you listen. <laughs> she might. She might not. And it says, I don't forget, son. There's someone up above. And it's just like, hey, no matter what you're doing, like, who you find, like, hey, there's someone up above. And it's like, hey, you should live more with it like that. But he didn't. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Oops. So my next verse, to be specific, says, forget your lust for the rich man's gold. All that you need is in your soul. And you can do this, oh baby, if you try. All I want for you, my son, is to be satisfied. So she's like, listen, you don't have to have the most stuff. You don't have to have, like, a bunch of crap. Like, you just need to have what you need to live. And, like, that's pretty much it. And it's like, all you really need in life is, like, to feel, like, complete and, like, be happy. She's like, if you try to do something, you can do it. All I want in life for you is you just to be content and happy. And it's just like... I feel like that's, like, every mm-hmm. mom, really, you know? Yeah. They want the best for you, you know? Yeah. You done? Yeah, I'm done. That's my five. Okay. So, my five are a little different than Seth's. So, my first one is don't ask me no questions. <laughs> and I'm a little moody on occasion. I've been known to... Sometimes I'm pretty talky. Sometimes I'm like, please don't speak to me. <laughs> so, this song, the lyrics are, I said, don't ask no stupid questions and I won't send you away. If you want to talk fish in, well, I guess that'll be okay. And here he's basically like, if you're going to talk to me about anything other than something simple, short, sweet, don't speak to me. And sometimes I get in moods where I'm really talky and will talk for hours. And then sometimes I'm literally like, why are you talking to me? For all of you that don't personally know my sister, <laughs> my lovely sister, she is 100% like this. Mm-hmm. I'm probably the moodiest person I've ever met. I'm either a joy to be around or like, 
not a good time, you know? I can second that. <laughs> Sometimes I'm really fun. I think I'm fun. <laughs> I agree. And then other times... No, like, <laughs> not you know, so fun. I'm a little pissy sometimes. But I think that's important to remember that, like, we all have good days, we all have bad days, and just kind of, like, respect people's moods, you know what I'm saying? Don't ask me a stupid question. Yeah, like, that's your fault. Like, don't you dare ask that. Don't do it. Should have known better. Like, I'm telling you right now. So, if you continue, <laughs> that's your problem. She's giving the whole, like, pointy finger thing, yeah. which just goes to show you <laughs> it is true. So, my next song here, we're switching gears a little bit, and this one is called Ballad of Curtis Lowe. And I love the intro to this song. Just the sound and, like, the instrumentation of it is very different. And it's basically a story of him talking to this man who's basically underappreciated in society, and everyone just kind of overlooks him, and he goes unnoticed. But to him, he meant a lot to him, and he's kind of like, why did y'all not notice him? Like, what? What was the thing? Like, why didn't you accept him kind of yeah. thing? And the lyrics say, People said he was useless, then people were all fools, because Curtis Lowe was the finest picker to ever play the blues. It's just kind of like we all go through periods where we feel unseen sometimes in the things that we're doing, but I think it's important to remember that, like, somebody's watching you, whether it's your boss, a colleague, a friend, a little kid who looks up to you. Like, somebody's watching you. So, like, just because you might feel unseen does not mean that overall your work will go unnoticed. So, like, keep pushing. I thought that was very... I don't, I don't really want to add anything because I thought that was, like, very... That was very inspiring. <laughs> that was very inspiring. You can put that in there. I just feel that, like, you know, sometimes we all just get down on ourselves. And this song is from the perspective of somebody who was, like... I don't get why they didn't appreciate his work. Yeah. And I just like that perspective of it. I think that's a very good like perspective of it. Mm-hmm. So my next song is Free Bird, one of their classics. Great song. And I love this song, but I would not put this on my list of favorites, but I do relate to it. I think this is definitely one of my favorites, but you can't listen to the whole song. Yeah, it's a little long. The whole song... Is like way too it's long. It's seven minutes, and the album version that I have in my car, this song is 14 minutes long. Yeah, like, I have the same one. I never make it through the whole thing. <laughs> like, it's like, I get it. I it's listen over. to the first, like, two, three minutes, and then I'm like, okay, the song says the same exact thing for the next five. I'm good. There's, like, a good seven-minute guitar solo. Well, the song's... Probably longer. The song, great song. Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong. For 14 minutes for one song, it's not, not You've it. lost me. Yeah. But the lyrics say, if I leave here tomorrow, would you still remember me? And this is not the direction he was going in, but sometimes I think about, like, if I died tomorrow, who would come to my funeral? That's a terrible thing to think about. I'm just saying. I know, but I'm just such a weird person and, like, ask myself and others weird questions all the time. And, you know. That's fair. That is, <laughs> that is very true. Yeah, like, I'm quite different. But I just think about that. Anyways, so he goes on and he says, For I must be traveling on now because there's too many places I've got to see. But if I stayed here with you, girl, things just couldn't be the same because I'm as furry as a bird now and this bird you cannot change. And I relate to this on the sense of I was in a relationship and I got to the point where I realized it was no longer serving me and had it been for quite a while. And you just realize that you have to move on with your life and you're trying to like convince them that they're going to be okay and like yeah. this is for the best and like you can't change my mind about this. This is how I feel. 
I'm going to follow through. You just needed to fly away at that point. Yeah. Really needed to flap the wings hard. <laughs> hard Go. and fast. Go. Go with the wind. Yeah. Not against it. <laughs> Call me the breeze, baby. Gotta yeah. go. But, you know, we've all kind of been in places in our life where this happens, whether it's a relationship, a friendship, a job, whatever. You transfer schools, whatever it might be. Like, we've all been in places where it's like, I just know that I have to leave. So, my next song is That Smell. This one is just, I do not relate to the actual lyrics of this because very drug heavy. But the lyrics say, whiskey bottles and brand new cars, oak tree, you're in my way. There's too much coke and too much smoke. Look what's going on inside you. Can't you smell that smell? Ooh, that smell. The smell of death surrounds you. And for starters, I just think it's very ironic that he was talking about death and like the smell of death. And this was on the album, When They Died. And it's just kind of like, whoa. Too much foreshadowing in that. That's just, mm. This song for me is just kind of like we've all kind of been in phases where we knew that what we were doing was not necessarily good for us, whether that be a relationship, a relationship. That's what it was for my case. But like it could be a friendship, a relationship. You could be in drug related issues. You just know that if you stay you're gonna end doing up doing what you're doing, like it will kill you, whether that's literally, figuratively, mentally, mentally, emotionally, whatever. Like things can kill you. It's death is real. Not even just physical death, but like yeah. it's hard to pick up your emotions and like your heart and just like your mind after it's been crushed. And it's like, yes, you can move on from that, but you'll never fully be that person ever again. And, like, you carry all that with you. And this song just kind of is, like, can't you see what's going on? Yeah. Like, you got to change something. Yeah, open up your eyes. Like, hey, mm-hmm. you keep doing this. Whatever it is, it's not going to turn out well. Yeah, it's going to hurt you in some yeah. way. So, I just kind of like that intense feeling of, like, a wake up, something's got to give. Yeah. So, my next song and my last song, we're switching it up here and we're going with Give Me Back My Bullets. This song is just a like... That's a headbanger. Yeah. You're just like, I'm taking my life back sort of songs. And one of the lines says, been up and down since I turned 17. Well, I've been on top and it seems I've lost the dream. But I got it back. I'm feeling better every day. Tell all those pencil pushers, (laughs) better get out of my way. (laughs) Give me back my bullets. I've said this before, but 17 was the worst year of my life. It was just terrible. Not a good time. A lot of ups and downs since I was 17. I've grown a lot. I've had some fallbacks. But this song just kind of encompasses that feeling of like, I'm not going to let my life push me around anymore. I'm not going to let people push me around. I'm not going to let people tell me what to do or like, like I'm in charge of my life. She has a very strong personality, but in a certain time in her life and a certain person, (laughs) she just allowed herself to get pushed around a little too much. And I have a tendency to do that, but really only in that situation. Which is very weird. I know because I'm a very like, no, I'm not going to do that. You're not going to tell me what to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. But in that, I was very like, okay. Yeah, like... mm. You say so. And, you know, if you're in a situation like that, take your life back, my friend. You know, like, take the reins. You're in charge. Move on. It may hurt you a little bit, but... You'll bounce back. Yeah, you're going to be better. And I know that sounds dumb when you're, like, going through something when people are like, oh, time will heal. Like, shut up, Shannon. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, I just picked a basic name. Who is Shannon? (laughs) (laughs) But that really is true. Like, eventually time will heal all things. And then you're going to be better. Yeah, like, you have perspective and you know what not to do. And you know how you don't want to feel ever again. And, like, 
you know, look at it positively. I know it can be easy to get wrapped up in the negative things in life and just be like, sorry for yourself. But he's like, you know, tell all the dang pencil pushers, like, I'm coming. Give me back my bullets. Like, I'm coming for you. Like, I've been shot, but hey, guess what? You give me some bullets. I'm about to shoot back. He's like, do not mess with me. And that's just kind of like the mood we all need for 2020. Like, life has all kind of pushed us around this year. 2021 is going to be our year, baby. We're gearing up. I hope so. (laughs) Okay, so now we're going to go into questions. And the first one is if you can only listen to one of their songs ever again, which one would it be? Ooh, so one song. Mm Mm-hmm. I think Simple Man. I think oh, really? Simple Man is really like, at this point, like it just, I don't know, I mm-hmm. think that song to me means the most. He took a lot of pride in writing songs for the simple, average human because he said that like if you just write in regular terms about regular things, people relate to you so much more. And this song 100% is that. Mine would be Sweet Home Alabama just because like that's a, that's it's just a so good. Like, the intro is the best part. Sometimes I just like listen to it a couple times just to hear the really? intro. Yeah. So my next question is if your life was a movie, what would be the theme song of your life? If if my life was yes, a Yes, your life was a movie, which one of their songs? Which one of their songs? Ooh, my life's a theme song. Does that have to be one of my five? No. Just any of them. What would be your theme song? I think yours would be Simple Man. I think Simple Man I'm trying to think of, they have so many songs. Like, the CD that I have has 23 songs, and that's just their greatest hits album. Like, the greatest hits, they picked 23 to be on that. So, that's uh, that's really hard. What do you think mine would be? This is tough. I think mine might be Don't Ask Me No Questions. I'm I'm not going to lie. I was thinking that. This kind of sums up my personality. That really does sum up your personality. (laughs) I'm going to be honest. Yeah. I think Simple Man. I'm not caught up in a lot of things in life. Like, I'm not... I'm just very, like, I'm not going to say, like, simple because I'm not going to classify myself <laughs> as simple. But it's, like, I don't know. I feel like I'm pretty... I just think you hold those values. Yeah, it's just, like, I'm not I'm not someone that goes out and does a bunch of stuff. Cause You're it's not just, an extravagant person. Yeah, like, if I like it, I'm going to do it, and that's what I'm going to do. But it's, like, I don't feel the need to, like, go out and be somebody I'm not. Like, mm-hmm. I am who I am. Like me or don't, I don't <laughs> care. We both kind of have that, like, take me or leave me Yeah. type attitude. So, Chelsea actually gave me that question, and we're going to give Chelsea a quick shout-out here, because one time I was like, oh, Leonard Skinner, and she was like, I love that man. And I was like, Chelsea, Leonard Skinner is a (laughs) band. And she was like, what do you mean? And I was like, they're a band. Like, his name is Ronnie Van Zandt. And she was like, what? I thought his name was Leonard Skinner. And I was like, no. So... Shout out to Chelsea Trot. So my third question is a typical, if their voice was a color, what would it be and why? We're going to go with Ronnie's here. Ronnie's? Since he was the voice. I mean, yeah. He's definitely like a red. Mm, like gold. a very just take me or leave me. Like you either love the color red or you absolutely hate it. <laughs> like I'm personally on the side of absolutely hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I, I don't like red. I'm be honest. Don't like red. But it, I think that would be him. Like not like a like. Like a, um... You talking like a cherry red or like a, like a burgundy? Yeah, he's not like a stop sign color red, not like a ugly red. He's like a nice, like, like a nice red, you know? Like... (laughs) Not an ugly red, a nice red. I'm not a huge fan of red, so I don't know the shades of red, but Mm -hmm. he's a nice red. I'm kind of thinking brown. Brown. Maybe with some reddy undertones, because he is bold. But brown is kind of like a little grit. He's a little dirty... He's got, like, that very raw yeah. quality to him. But brown's just too basic. I'm thinking, like, a dirt brown. 
like a red clay. Ah, see, I disagree with you on that because red clay. I'm a baseball player, yeah. so I, I'm I see dirt a lot. Like obviously, <laughs> it's like he's not like a to me personally. He's not a dirt because dirt color brown because it's not. It's like a little a, plain. I'm not talking like a straight up dirt. Like a I don't know, just kind of like that raw quality. I thought red was about whatever, like a ready brown. <laughs> he doesn't seem that satisfied. I'm not satisfied with that because Brown is just basic. He's not... He's not basic. He's not a basic dude. Like, he's very extravagant, but then again... Very simple. Very simple. So, it's... He was just a walking contradiction. Yeah. Which I kind of relate to because I also kind of am, you know? Not as much as him, but I agree with like that. Like, I'm sweet but sassy. Um, can't think of any other examples. <laughs> I was about to say. We're all a little bit of a contradiction. Exactly. He was just open about it. Mm-hmm. Like... Other people be like, this, but I don't know. He's just like, here, here I, I am. am. We just said that at the same time. <laughs> then he looked at me like really weird. Anyways, so the last thing is if anyone listening to this has a takeaway from either our stories or Leonard Skinner's story, what would it be? Just be your own person. Like like who you are or what you do. Just be your own. Like mm-hmm. He obviously was a very different character, but <laughs> he was him. He didn't pretend to be someone else. He did what he wanted when he wanted. Just You don't have to be that extreme but definitely just be yourself Mm -hmm. i would agree with that i would just say that like believe in yourself he 100 percent believed in what he had to offer to the world and like he might have been a little cocky about it but like just be confident in what you've got to offer and along the lines of what seth said just kind of know that like you're not for everybody that's okay you don't have to get along with everybody on the planet yeah just really get along with the people that you're close to like be nice to people, have a good time, life is short, Yeah. take advantage of it. Something to comment on that, she said, not everyone's going to like you. And it's like, don't get stuck on that one person. Like, if they don't like you, move on. <laughs> it's their loss. Yeah, like, I think that would just, for you, like, just, if if they, if they're not <laughs> putting... Hardcore called me out. <laughs> I, I am, I'm being honest. She's moved on, she's done great. And I think that's one of the things, like, once you finally realized it and were like, hey, I'm done... You moved on. Yeah. You unstuck yourself. and <laughs> it took you, me a while. took you a while, but you're doing great. Yeah, I got there. Just positively affect somebody's life. Like, everybody is different. That's a good thing. If we were all the same, yeah. it would be boring. Just live your life. That's kind of what he would say as well. I would really appreciate it if you would follow me on Instagram. It is hashtag underscore relatable. Hashtag has two G's on it. I post all the graphics and the links on there so it's easily accessible. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed. And shout out to Seth for doing this again. Peace out. (laughs) Peace out. So tune back in next week for another episode of Hashtag Relatable. Bye.